thank Chad for this opportunity this morning. Uh, it's, he didn't tell you the whole story. It's really a put a seniors to work program. <laughs> and uh, he thought he'd try it out with me. So you can vote. There'll be a box in the back when you leave. And uh, let him know. Good morning. I'm sorry to hear about Bill Benson. Bill is a good person. Lee's a good person. Bill's a character. And I enjoyed being around him and Lee. Lee made terrific apple pies. And when you went over her house, she usually had something to give you. Even if you went over for a meeting, she'd have a pie or something like that. So it's, I'm sorry to hear that. And I hope she's doing okay. Carol and Mark, they were, you know, Carol's their daughter, and Mark is the son of Dottie and um, Russ, camera. So uh, they've all been a part of this church at one time or another, and they moved down to North Carolina. So, uh, but it's sad to hear that. Let's pray. Lord, give us open hearts and open minds. And may your words be spoken today, and may we leave with them, and may you be satisfied with what has been done. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Now, that's as close as I'm going to be to singing, so... Um, <laughs> Those words are the first verse of an African-American spiritual from the 1830s. And like many of these uh, spirituals, there are messages in them. And one of the messages is that these workers, these slaves, had a joy, had a love for the Bible and the stories in the Bible, and they would turn them into songs as they were working. And there's also a subtle message to these spirituals. And the message in this is that they desire freedom. And it was said that by singing these songs, these spirituals, People could hear them in different areas, in different fields, and they all would get the message that we want freedom. Now, I bring this up because the Israelites were looking for freedom. They had been in captivity and in horrible conditions in Egypt, and they left Egypt, and certainly the slaves wanted freedom too. So I think there's a tie-in here between the song and the Israelites. And I wanted to pursue that. Now, most people, well, maybe most people, a lot of people probably know of Joshua from this song. And if that were all there was, to the book of Joshua and Joshua's story, then I could say amen right now. And 
just sit down. But I'm not going to do that <laughs> just yet. And turn it over to Beth and let her uh, finish up with a song fest or something. Um, the book of Joshua is one of my favorites. I've done this before, talking about the elements in the book. And I wanted to update it and make it a better story this time around. Uh, the first time I did this was when Sarah was a young girl. <laughs> and uh, she's 33 now, so it's been a while. The book of Joshua has a great amount of details on how the promised land was conquered and the land apportioned to the tribes. But it also has some rich and meaningful verses that are relevant to us. There's imagery in hymns about the rivers. When you're crossing the river, going to the promised land, it's usually associated with death and dying. But in the book of Joshua, crossing the river was a new life. And it was looked upon as an opportunity for those who went to have a new life. Now, they had a hard time getting there, and some wanted to return during that wilderness trek, even though they knew the Egyptians might kill them. The Israelites were kind of a fussy bunch. Um, they did a lot of bickering. They didn't listen to God all the time, and God had to be strict with them. And at one time, God threatened to kill them all because they're not listening to him. And one of the things I came across that I thought was interesting to add into this was a verse, two verses that Moses spoke at Sinai when there was a lot going on. He said that the people in the tribes were getting to be so big that it was too big a job just for him. And that there was so much bickering and problems that it was difficult for him to handle it. And I thought, well, how true that must be in the humanness of Moses to find those feelings. We think of Moses as speaking with God and leading, but he had some basic human emotions, and I'm sure a lot of pastors have had that same feeling, that there's just too much problem with their congregations, that they're always bickering in their problems, and in Moses' case, I'm getting too old for this. I don't need this. Let's move on, guys. So, before we go, to the Jordan, go over this Jordan, as the topic is, I want to back up 40 years and see how the Israelites, how we get there. And I want to see, I want you to see the role of Joshua in all of this and the 
Joshua was just not someone who suddenly appeared just before they went to the promised land. Joshua was there all along. When they left Egypt, the Egyptians, the Pharaoh, was glad to see them go. Uh, For several hundred years, the Egyptians, or the Israelites, were living in Egypt. And for the first part of that, under Joseph and the Pharaoh, they did quite well. But once Joseph was gone, their status declined and they were made into slaves, held in captivity. And God, after a while, got tired of this and he said, I want my people to leave. And he put plagues on Egypt. And the Egyptians finally said, enough, you guys can go. And after the Passover, you know, that event where the firstborn of the Egyptians killed, the the Israelites left under the leadership of Moses, and also as Moses' assistant was Joshua. Now they made it out to the Red Sea, and they camped there, and then they found out that the Egyptians changed their mind and decided that they were going to be a threat, and they were going to go out and kill them. And so Moses, speaking with God, then went forward and you know the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And the Israelites crossed over. The Egyptians were chasing after them, wanting to kill them. And the sea closed in and took all of them out. So now you have all the Israelites being led by Moses headed towards Sinai. And I think it took them a couple of months to get there. And at Sinai, we first hear of Joshua. He accompanied Moses to Mount Sinai. Now, God had called Moses to come up from Mount Sinai and talk to him. And Joshua didn't go up on the mount with him. He went alone. But Joshua was there as his assistant. Now, Moses was up there for some time. And the people got scared. They didn't know what was happening. And they turned to worshiping idols. And when Moses came back down, he found all these people celebrating and worshiping idols. And got upset with them. And this is a story where he throws down the the tablets and breaks them. And then God speaks with them. And God is upset. God wants to kill them all. But Moses talks him out of it. But some of them did pay a price for doing the worshiping of idols. Then the Israelites moved on from Sinai. And they got to a town called Kadesh Barnea. And in some books, or some parts of the books, it's referred to as Kadesh. Kadesh. And there, God spoke to Moses and told him to lead the Israelites into the promised land. The Israelites decided that they would pick 12 spies, one from each tribe, 
to go into the promised land and search it out and see what was there. And they spent 40 days roaming through the land and then came back to report to the Israelites. And there were 12 spies. Ten of them said, well, the land is full of milk and honey. There's pasture land for our herds. There's food. But the land of Canaan is occupied by giants. And they'll kill us if we go there. And we're afraid. We don't want to go there at all. Two of the spies disagreed. And those two were Caleb and Joshua. But Joshua and Caleb found favor with the Lord because they agreed with him. But since the majority said no, they decided not to go to the promised land, even though Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, we need to do this. This is good. The Lord will protect us. So God said that he was angry with them. And what would happen is that for every day the spies were in Canaan, the Israelites will wander in the wilderness for one year. So the 40 days turned into 40 years for the Israelites. The big part here is that God was so angry that he said, everyone from the older generation, and that became 20 years and up, will not go into the promised land. Only their descendants will. They hadn't had the faith to follow God into the promised land there, so they were going to pay the price and wander for 40 years. The next event, and I don't have a timeline on it, but that's not important at this point. But the next event had to do with Moses and God. The people of Israel, or the people of the Israelites, were without water, and they needed water. And God told Moses to go over and speak to a rock, and the water will flow forth. Earlier, God had told Moses to hit the rock with a stick and the water would pour forth. So in this instance, where God said, go speak to the rock and the water will come forth, Moses went over and hit it with the stick. And God said, you didn't listen to me. I told you to speak to it. And you took it upon yourself to say that you knew better than I did. And I'm not going to put up with that. <laughs> you know, you may be tired of the Israelites and their bickering and their problems, but, you know, I'm telling you to do something and you're not doing it. And so God told Moses, you're not going to the promised land either. You didn't have the faith in me. I'm not going to have you go and lead the Israelites into the promised land. Now we come to the, the area by the Jordan River. 
land that was full of grazing, nice place to live, nice place to raise the family, nice place for the herds of goats and sheep and cattle to feed. And the Israelites conquered the two tribes that were there and took over their land. And at that point, there were two tribes and a half of another tribe that went to Moses and said, we'd like to make a deal with you. We'd like to just stay right here. We don't want to go across the river into the promised land. We want to stay right here. So we had the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh saying, we're settled. We want to stay here. Moses said, all right, we'll make a deal. You can stay here, but your warriors will have to go with the rest of the tribes into Canaan and help fight the battles to conquer that land. And once that's completed, then you can go back to the promised land. I mean, to the land across the river from the promised land called Transjordan, on the east side of the Jordan River. And they agreed to that. Then God called Moses to come up Mount Sinai or not Mount Sinai, but Mount Nebo, and climb the peak at Pisgah, and look over the land of Canaan, and also the land on the east side of the Jordan, and telling him that this is the land that I've chosen and promised to the Israelites, but you're not going there. You can see it, but you won't go there. Moses died and was buried. God then spoke to Joshua. Joshua was told that he is now the leader of the Israelites. And he's going to take them into the promised land. And I imagine at that time he probably thought, well, I know what Moses went through. Now I've got to do it. But he took it without arguing and showing great faith in God. And God showing great faith in him. And I want to read from the first chapter of the book of Joshua. And I had this marked. Now I have it. After the death of Moses... The Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, and keep that in mind, I think that is an incredible piece of verse. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. So he's telling them they need to walk the land. 
from the Negev wilderness in the south to Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. I think that's some incredible language, that it goes beyond just the mere words there. These verses are about God's promise to us and how we accept it. We must claim it. Can't just stand there. Can't just listen to it and say, oh, that's nice. Yeah, we'll think about it. But we've got to do something. And we've got to actively do something. We must stay with it. Not enough just to go over and come back and say, okay, we did it. We'll stay here. We must grow in it. And we must walk the land. I think that concept carried over into early America, too, that pioneers and settlers were allowed to stake out land by walking it. And that's how they claimed it in the early days. And even, and I was going to say this to Callie, but she's not here, but in the Oklahoma land rush, it was very similar to that, where people just headed out and staked out the land that they covered. It's an interesting thing there. I was going to I was going to tease her and I just don't have her here to tease. <laughs> well, so is still. <laughs> but the term sooner came because some people snuck into the land before the time was it was open to settle. And then when the time came, they ran out of their hiding places and took the best land. And they were called Sooners. <laughs> so I, I, hard, I had all that planned for her, and then she just messed me up by not being here. <laughs> so that goes for you, Bunny. <laughs> As I said... We've got to walk the land. We've got to claim it. We've got to take an active part in what God is promising us. Do we want our full share, or are we content to settle for less? Are we content with the wilderness experience, but not willing to seek our full inheritance and the enjoyment that comes with it? Joshua then ordered the Israelites to move forward. After numerous encounters with the inhabitants, the Israelites conquered Canaan. And again, I don't know the timing on that. And they did fight the battle of Jericho in this. But they went beyond that and having the walls come tumbling down. As for the agreement with Moses... The tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh returned to the Transjordan. 
They go back to their families. They go back to the land that they wanted, that the land that was less than what the full promise of God was, that they were willing to settle for less. This decision is described by a writer as regretful. They are eventually captured by the Assyrians, and they cease to be a separate people. Now, how does this story that's 3,000 years old have anything to do with us today? We're not wandering physically in a desert. We're not looking for less, I hope, of God's promise. God's grace is free, but we must claim it. The promise to the Israelites was Canaan, the promised land. Our promise is eternal life through Jesus. And I go back to what I said earlier that Joshua had said to the Israelites what they had to do with God's promise of eternal salvation, eternal life through Jesus, we must claim it. It's not something we can just sit in the pew and say, thank you very much. We must stay with it. We can't be like the two and a half tribes who decided that they would settle for less and turn around and go back. And by the way, that caused almost a war between the other nine tribes or ten tribes because as they were going back, before they crossed the river, they built an altar to God and the other tribes saw that as an insult to God, that it wasn't the true altar. And so the Israelites were ready to go to war with them and cooler heads prevailed. They talked it out And the Israelites, or the two and a half tribes, told the Israelites that it was not an insult. They weren't meaning to do anything that would insult them or God. But they wanted to put it up for one thing, as that they would be remembered. And that's kind of a sad thing, too, because why did they leave if they wanted to be remembered? And... Some took that as a recognition that the land that they were going to was defiled and they put up an altar to try to cleanse it. And the Israelites said to them, look, if that land's defiled, why are you going there? You're still welcome to come with us. And they still said no. So they had two chances to listen to God's will and to do God's will. And yet they declined on both instances. And, as I said, they disappeared. They were captured by the Assyrians. Uh, They were put into slavery. And pretty much just ceased to be anything in history. As I said, we must grow in our acceptance of that promise. 
And we must still walk the land, except this time it's walk with Jesus. And it's the same thing. Every place you put your foot, it's yours. And if you put your feet in walking with Jesus, every promise that God has through him is yours. Do we want our full share, or are we content to settle for less? Are we content with the wilderness experience, but not willing to seek our full inheritance and the enjoyment that comes with us? Same thing that applied to the Israelites. The nine and a half tribes provide a positive witness of the power and the trust in God. They no longer were fearful of giants in the land. They went forward under Joshua's leadership and fought those giants, and God was on their side, and they conquered that land. Those who settled on the tran- in the Transjordan were a witness too, but a witness of what happens when you settle for something less than God's promise. They were separated by the Jordan River, which became basically a dividing line between God and the world. The Israelites and the nine and a half tribes took to God. The two and a half tribes decided to take to the world. Go over this Jordan. Let me read to you now from the 24th chapter of Joshua. The speech that Joshua makes to the Israelites towards the end of his life. Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Now Shechem was a town outside of um, Jericho, and that's where they launched their battle of Jericho from that town. Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord of God, Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him into the land of Canaan. I gave to him many descendants, though his son, through his son, Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir, while Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And we know that story. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt. And afterwards I brought you out of the free people. But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Sea, the Egyptians chased after you chariots and charioteers. When your ancestors cried out to the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them. With your very own eyes, you saw what I did. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. 
Finally, I brought you to the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of their land. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, son of Baor, to curse you. But I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I gave you victory over them. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build. The towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when you lived beyond the Euphrates in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I hope that that can be our prayer today, that we make the right choice, that it's not a regrettable choice, and that we choose to serve the Lord. Amen.